0: slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art, because doing good work takes time. I'm Chris Kreitcho.
1: And I'm Stephen Garradini, and this is Season 4, Episode 1, and today we're going to talk about Facebook's internet.org initiative and the ethics of benevolence. Just some light s-
0: topics, you know.
1: Just some light, get us eased on back in, that's what we're here for. <laughs> nope, we are going to go full bore, take on this weighty topic and we're actually going to uh kind of turn it into a two-parter so uh there will be as gentle of a cliffhanger as we possibly can make at the end (laughs) it's not going to be like a doctor
0: who cliffhanger that's no not not like that
1: and we won't turn up with a different chris next season it's true
0: because that would be really weird it'd be really tough
1: but we are going to talk about internet.org and if you haven't heard about internet.org You either are not on the American internet, or you don't live in India, uh, because those are the two major players in this particular problem. India has 1.3 billion-ish people, 300 million-ish of which are on the internet, which means that there are more internet users in India than there are in America. However... There are still a billion of them that are not on the internet. And because Facebook is running out of people to put on Facebook, i.e. everyone in America who is connected to the internet, which is less than our total population, they need new people to put on their Facebook to continue their bid for world domination and or advertising dollars. This presents a problem because... Doing anything in India is difficult for a variety of complex reasons, one of which being that there are a lot of people there and many of them are rural and many of them are poor. And it is not charitable to come out and say, hey, you're poor, but that's essentially what this argument is over.
0: At least in part the uh, because a big part of the issue here is this magical word infrastructure which given we're going to be talking about globalization and some of the issues that go with that this season infrastructure is a thing that's going to come up a fair bit and If you think about it, even here in the United States, for our listeners who are here, or in other parts of the more thoroughly developed world, India is very much rapidly developing, and parts of it are just as developed as most of the United States is, for example, but parts of it are very much less so. But even here, if you go to rural America and you try to get reasonable speed internet, more than dial up, you're going to have a hard time with it. For example, when I go visit my grandparents who live in central Virginia, not terribly far out of a reasonably sized metro area, but far enough, they literally cannot pay people to bring them fast internet. They are stuck on hotspots that barely get 3G wireless connections. They would like to pay people to do it, but they can't because, well, infrastructure is expensive. And on a fairly regular basis, would-be providers have looked at it and said, "Mm, not enough profit. And that's understandable, however unfortunate. But if you take that problem and magnify it, oh, say, a hundred times or maybe a thousand times, there you're starting to talk about the kinds of scale of problem that we're looking at in India. But if if you're you're Facebook, Facebook, you might be motivated to try and tackle that problem in a way that, say, normal internet providers aren't, because Facebook's only way of continuing to increase its profitability is basically by continuing to increase the number of eyeballs it can put ads in front of. And one of the things that's problematic
1: is that in India, there are a lot of telephone companies that made a lot of money when a lot of Indians all jumped straight from no media to cell phone usage. So most people in India don't use landlines, they mostly use cell phones. And there are an increasing number of hard computers, laptops, PCs, this sort of thing. But the main way that people connect to the internet in India is through cellular devices. So this means that there are naturally large players in India that want to keep their profits going. So Facebook, seeing a problem, they need more people. Seeing that the Indian providers have a problem, they can't get internet out to these people, particularly because these people won't pay for internet if they get it through their phone. They get it minute by minute or data plan by data plan, gig by gig, et etc. et cetera. They're paying as you go, which is less valuable to cell phone companies and to internet providers than if you actually just buy a whole plan and then don't use a bunch of it, which is crappy. And we've talked about that before, but that's not the point here. The point is that Zuckerberg, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, decided to do what's called internet.org, which is a zero rating system. And this is where things start to get interesting. Zero rating systems essentially says part of the internet will be zero rated. It will be free. You can get it for nothing. You just have to have a device that will connect to this thing, and we won't charge you. You can run up as much data as you want, and voila, the internet.
0: Of course, it's not hard to figure out which part of the internet Mr. Zuckerberg might be interested in letting you have access to for free.
1: Now, there are a lot of other websites that are available. There were, at one point, 36 websites signed on. Now they... Are open to allowing any developer who wants to be on internet.org. There's a lot of things that are murky and happening all at once in this issue, as with many internet y things. <laughs> but the essentials are, as Chris noted, Facebook is part of the zero rating scheme. This is particularly complicated because instead of just saying, this is a business move, we're making some more business, 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 Mark Zuckerberg has couched this. in the framework of pulling people out of poverty because he has a statistic. Who
0: knows whether it's true, where it came from, whatever. It's a statistic. (laughs) He uses it. And as we all know, there are lies. There are damned lies and there are statistics. And then there are statistics. (laughs) But he has a statistic that says for every
1: 100 people that get on the internet one of them is pulled out of poverty or for every 10 that get on the internet one is pulled out of poverty it's all very hand wavy so we'll put the direct figure that he quotes there but we're not going to try to track down like all the stats and figures because i would wager that they're probably proprietary (laughs) Uh, and also wrong uh, i didn't say that i just said proprietary
0: (laughs) well i said it
1: but either way This is couched in a benevolence play. It's saying there are a lot of poor people in India that don't have the internet and they have either technological or financial blocks to getting on the internet or they have societal blocks where they don't see the value of being on the internet. And so giving them some free internet will allow them to see the value of the internet. And then either go on to buy more internet, so get an internet plan, now seeing the societal value and the personal value, or just keep using free forever and ostensibly get a new job that helps them out of poverty and these sorts of things, which is why there are various – well, at least one – but a company that is a job-searching website that's
0: part of internet.org. So there are at least two things that make this – ethically weird and i think that's the best way to describe it because this isn't a cut and dried yay good job facebook or a cut and dried boo bad facebook this isn't really either one of those it's Nope. perfectly fine for businesses to do things that are in their business interests. It's perfectly fine, good even, for businesses to take things and say, hey, here's a great way where our business interests appear to align with the good of the people we're serving. I mean, if you've been paying attention to winning slowly for the last few seasons, that's basically that's what we what do. We, do. <laughs> we say you should do that. So we're, we're not opposed to that. But... There are a couple things which do make this ethically weird, ethically murky. The first is the reality that the internet being provided here isn't the internet. It's this little subset of the internet. And even leaving aside initially the fact that Facebook is biasing these would-be internet users to using the Facebook corner of the internet and whoever else decides to be on internet.org. Well, one of the things that makes the internet precisely so powerful, and one of the things that is part of why it is a useful tool in lifting people out of poverty, if indeed these statistics have any merit, and I would guess they have some merit, even if perhaps not the merit that they're purported to have, then A big part of that is simply that the internet has free, open, largely unrestricted access to information about anything and everything. You are not, when you get online, restricted to looking at some subset of the internet if you want to go learn about how to cook Japanese food or how to pilot an aircraft or how to build an aircraft or how to code or how to bake british cookies or anything you can think of you can do that because it's the internet it's connected to everything if you're in
1: america right
0: if you're in china not if you're in china (laughs) or if you're in iran or lots of other places that might not be the case and Quite understandably and quite rightly, we look at those places and call that a human rights violation. No, you should have free and open access. If you've got the internet, you should have the whole internet. Well, then we turn and we look at Facebook and we say, hmm, we understand why you would maybe think to approach it this way. It makes some sense from a business point of view, and we understand the costs entailed with providing full-on internet access. But maybe if you're going to provide someone internet access – you should provide them with internet access limited in some way find ways to pay for it around going around this etc but you're just in a strange spot when facebook suddenly becomes the gatekeeper the holder of the keys not only for what's on facebook which is perfectly reasonable but for what people can get to on their internet in general so that's the first issue and we'll we'll talk about that more in a moment the second is a broader issue We'll touch on it a little this week, but more next week. We'll talk about it at length. And that's the question of the relationship between trying to help people as well off Westerners and what is actually helpful to people and what is hurting. The classic book is called When Helping Hurts for a Reason. And the simple reality, or as you consider more carefully, the not so simple reality, is that sometimes. Well intended moves hurt people. And so there's an open question Is Facebook doing this ultimately good for those people? or is it bad for those people? Is it good for the growing Indian economy, or is it only good for Facebook and, by proxy, the American economy? And do we, as Americans, do we as large American slash multinational companies like Facebook have a responsibility to think about the way that our actions affect the economies we're interacting with around the world? And of course, we think yes, but that's not a simple answer by any means. Yeah, and
1: it's a little more complicated than that because there's, there's always more insinuating <laughs> factors. But one of the interesting ones that doesn't get brought up a lot is that India's telecommunications networks are set up differently than America's. They have a much more onerous telecommunications licensing system, so operators buy licenses – To then uh, provide service than we do here. Um, The government there takes a large chunk of the profits of telecommunication companies. So some people would say, okay, it's not our job to keep telecommunications companies in business. Like, we just are looking out for the internet. And that's fair. But to say that America's ideas of net neutrality should be automatically transferred directly over to India is to gloss over facts that make the situations between them different. Now, is there a single unifying factor that the internet is the internet is the internet? Yes. But there are considerations that remotely circle these issues that are not incidental to why and what goes on in particular places right putting that to the side a little bit the main question that chris and i are interested in is when facebook is doing this is the fact that they want to do something good that helps them but may potentially be bad in other people's estimation is that a good thing or is the fact that this could potentially be bad make it a bad thing? Stated differently, do we come down and say this is a good business move for Facebook and it's also benevolent and therefore we're OK with this? Or do we say this is not benevolent and it's just a good business move and therefore it's bad because you said it was benevolent and it's
0: not and that's a lie? <laughs> this is complicated. Right. And part of the trick here, as with many such issues, is that there is not a cut-and-dried answer. Uh, Stephen and I went back and forth about this quite a bit in our planning for talking through this episode, because, well, again, it isn't cut-and-dried. There are things about this that look fairly unambiguously good. There are things about this that look fairly unambiguously meh. Which I don't know if you can be unambiguously mad. Um,
1: I mean, we can all agree
0: if something's (laughs) meh. That wouldn't be ambiguous. There you go. Uh, That right there is meh. Everybody (laughs) agrees. Unambiguous. Um, But in this case, I don't think it's necessarily unambiguous at all. It's not ambiguously good, unambiguously bad, or even unambiguously meh. Rather, we can look at this and say, there are ways in which it appears good. There are ways in which it appears like Facebook is trying, like most startup slash internet companies to achieve an out and out monopoly. There are ways in which they're couching their aim of Achieving an out and out monopoly in the terms of benevolence, which is also a very common tactic in the startup space. Uh, if you look at the language used by companies like Airbnb, even, you will find some of this. You'll find this notion of empowerment and enabling people. And
1: <laughs> yeah, and you take a step Their back. Their ads and, are hilariously bad on oh, that it, front. It's
0: true. But if you take a step back and you look at that startup culture and you think, you're, I mean, kind of, but not really. You're enabling something, but you're not really empowering people in a I just don't buy your rhetoric there. And of course, that takes us to a broader question about why that rhetoric is appealing, particularly to the millennial generation and so on. And there are good reasons why it might be an appealing move from an advertising point of view. But it should also lead us to take a step back whenever that is pitched to us and say, okay, so you're pitching us because you've determined that – As a generation, millennials are concerned in particular ways about making things better, and that's a good thing on the whole, I think. But, of course, we can do that pretty naively, and if, as a generation, we're naive, we can get suckered by a bunch of people who are really just taking us for a ride for our money. Yeah, And so – In this area, we have to zoom in and say, okay, so here's all your rhetoric, and here are the upsides and downsides, some of which, again, we'll get into in a more general sense next week about helping and hurting and all of that. But here, okay, Facebook, you want to make the monopoly play. You want to be the internet provider and the content of the internet.
1: Well, See, now this is already a problem that we're reading into what they're doing here. What they're doing with internet.org is they are bankrolling a system in which they are one-thirty-sixth of the internet, Right, and that looks like a monopoly, but to say that Facebook is trying to get a monopoly on the internet is to say that, A, those 35 other companies aren't part of (laughs) internet.org, which they are, and B to assume that because they're big and they want more customers that they're going to overtake everything.
0: And I I think that's a fair quibble. The flip side of it is, I think if you situate it, and this is important as we talk about in general, if you situate it in the context of Facebook's moves elsewhere, then you see that they're trying to become the way that people consume content of all sorts everywhere. So whether that is Facebook's instant articles initiative or Uh, the way it controls your news feed, etc., it seems, at least from my outsider point of view, that Facebook wants to be the one stop that anyone goes to. That if you want to get your news, you go to Facebook. If you want to talk to your friends, you go to Facebook, etc. And situated against that backdrop, I think that's why we, I, many observers look at this and say, Facebook, you want to control all of it. You want to be the only gateway. You want to be the AOL of this generation, as it were. And I think that that's, again, reading pretty
1: hard into it. Further, perhaps, than I'm comfortable asserting. Because, one, we do know that people who are introduced to a Facebook-heavy internet tend to think that Facebook is the internet. Right. That's a thing. We also know that there are a billion people in India Uh, that don't have internet. And so if we look at this giant population that doesn't have the internet and we look at the other initiatives going on that are trying to get internet to these areas, and there are some, but they are obviously much smaller than Facebook's initiative. (laughs) Do the proprietors outweigh the potential benefit? And for me, it's hard to slam internet.org in its entirety because they're the people who are going to get it done the fastest. Like, they're going to get people to the internet. And maybe I'm a, I'm a little bit idyllic in that, you know, when people see part of the internet, they're going to want the whole internet. Maybe maybe that's the assumption that I'm making that that tears this all down. But it's hard for me to look at a system where there's a bunch of money and a bunch of motivation and they're paired up with... Uh, A local provider, which in this case is less relevant, but in general, that usually means it's going to be a better thing. It's hard for me to say, yeah, you should stop doing that and let somebody else do that because you're big and American. Right,
0: And that's – Right. There's a real tension there. And, And I do think it matters how you read those things. Because I look at it, and perhaps I'm just a bit more cynical, but I say there are an awful lot of people here who don't get the value of the open internet, of the general web, and all the things that that brings. And with the ongoing trend toward consolidation and everyone putting all their things in one basket anyway here... I'm probably just more on the skeptical side, and I'm not persuaded that, given Facebook, a large number of those people are going to see the benefits of the open web. Yeah, but and therefore, a lot
1: of those people aren't going to see the benefits of the open web even when they have it. You're making an argument in reverse well, that it that <laughs> Internet.org is a great thing because there's already people who aren't going to care even if they have the open web. It,
0: that is true, and I I will give you that. That said, I would say that the ways that we introduce systems can introduce important biases in them. And... As as you pointed out, if we know that people tend to think that Facebook is the internet when they get a Facebook-centric internet, then we have an obligation to say, is that what's best? Is that what's good? But of course, now we end up asking a really interesting question, which is, okay— Well,
1: I want to ask a question first, which is, are you willing to exclude people by not allowing Facebook.org to exist so that you can preserve— if they ever did get the internet, they would have the real internet. Right. and So are you willing to defer if they ever get the actual internet because they might not get the
0: real internet if they get mm-hmm. it. That's really weird. It is weird. I don't like I that. G- <laughs> I don't especially like it either, but I'm not sure I like supporting an initiative that in many ways might close them out of it for a longer period of time because – one of the other things we see, even again here in the US, is, oh, well, they have some as an excuse not to build out the rest. They have some, and there's not enough demand for more, whereas if it's demand for some internet rather than no internet, you might actually get the real internet in there. And so there's a real tension. Yeah, but, but Facebook is the
1: one creating the demand. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's part they're of the threat Going in and making their need to be internet, like they're they're effectively – is no player in the space that wants to do this in the scale. Well, that's not true. There are plenty of players that want to do this in the scale that Facebook can take on, but there are none that I have found. And if you know of some, please correct me if I'm wrong. But there are no large telcos that are trying to do anything other than a zero rating system, even though those systems have been suggested and not implemented, to try to get these billion people online, other than this general push that... Everybody wants to get India online in the same way that China got itself online. Well, not the same way because that would be bad, but (laughs) in a similar way. So I think that's the problem for me is that if you can't find a better solution and if we don't have something that's able to be implemented in the same scale, it's tough for me to be totally against it. Now, I'm definitely – Partially against it, as we said, like <laughs> it 's not the real internet, and I would prefer the full internet, but as a pragmatist, I would rather see something be done than wait forever for something perfect to be done, which is the activist 's fallacy
0: and I, I think that 's fair. I think the flip side of it is my inclination is to say maybe it would be better for it to take a little longer but to be done well and i, I don 't mean perfectly, I just mean right better. And and I think that's one of the tensions that we always stand with is whether the shorter term, less good solution is preferable because it can be used to bootstrap a better solution later, right. or whether it's worse because it will inhibit that better solution later. And sometimes we don't know. Right. But either of those lead us to a really interesting broader question, which is... To what extent is it our job to make the decision anyway? And this is where we leave our cliffhanger for next week because we can debate this all day. But And it would be fun. It it would be fun. We can go back and forth and back and forth for hours on end. Uh, And we can argue with Facebook here for hours all day. But there is, in some sense, a bigger and more important question, which is, what do those billion people in India want? Because as much as it does behoove us to think carefully about the economic decisions we make and the ramifications of our actions, and it really, really does behoove us to think hard and long and carefully about those, Mm -hmm. it can also turn into paternalism very quickly. And at the end of the day, as we'll talk about at greater length next time, that might be not just unhelpful, but wrong. So
1: the winning slowliest thing here to do is to say that we indeed would like there to be a better way that takes a little longer that actually provides the open internet. But in rare form, I'm going to break from the winning slowliest <laughs> and say that no. I – I'm going to break from the winning slowliest and say I kind of don't hate internet.org as much as some people do, in that I think that even if they're doing something imperfect and even if they're doing it for read-in nefarious ends, <laughs> I I think they're trying to get the internet to people, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with business.
0: <laughs> and I think, by the same token, sometimes the winning slowliest thing to do is to say, well, we'll take a step. Maybe it's not a great step, but it's a step. And whether this is one of those or not, well, I think Stephen and I come down on slightly different sides of that fence. But it's an understandable division because it isn't, as we said from the get-go, a clear, cut-and-dried, unambiguous answer. I feel pretty unambiguously meh about this, in fact. (laughs) The song at the beginning was
1: Oh Boy by Hazelwood. We use the song with permission. Please don't use it
0: without permission. Thanks to Andrew Fallows and Jeremy W. Sherman for sponsoring the show this month.
1: If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can pledge monthly at patreon.com slash winning slowly or give a one off at cash.me slash dollar sign winning slowly. And now they take credit cards.
0: Woo. 10% of our support still goes to keeping up the Internet Archive so that links which rot can be preserved.
1: If you like the show, please rate and review us in iTunes or recommend us in your podcast app directory so others can find the show.
0: You can find the show notes for this episode at winningslowly.org slash 4.01.
1: Last but not least, we do love hearing from our listeners. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at winningslowly, on our Facebook page, or by sending us an email at hello at winningslowly.org. (laughs) Sorryapp.net. We're not keeping up with that anymore.
0: As always, thanks for listening. We're looking forward to seeing where we go this season. Chris Kreitshow,
1: and I just put a box in front of everything that I was supposed to read.
0: <laughs> awesome! It is season four, episode it's, one. It's season four. Yeah, let's try that again. Here we go. I said we kind of, definitely, in the middle of that. <laughs> we kind of, definitely. How definitely? Kind of definitely. definitely. If you'd like
1: to sponsor the show, you can pledge monthly at Patreon. Patreon,
0: Patreon,
1: Patreon.
0: I think it okay. will be fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. The high range and the low range. There, you get your uh, your Jabba laugh, oh, 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 oh. and your surprised laugh. I think we're good. What about the Kylo Ren laugh? <laughs> I'm kind of
0: emo, guys. Oh, shoot. That's soup in my coat.
1: I am not even good at eating today. You <laughs> can get in touch with us. Only if you want to get in touch with people that can't eat soup. <laughs>